Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello to all our fantastic TTM podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you. Do you have trouble with your sleeping? Do you suffer with anxiety or depression? Do you still have those aching muscles that you keep talking about? Then we have the perfect product for you to try. Supreme CBD. It comes in many different forms. For example, Supreme CBD face cream. It uses organic natural ingredients leaving your face feeling smooth and also without the use of synthetic compounds. For those aching muscles, there's Supreme CBD Muscle and Joint Rub, which penetrates deep into the skin and muscle joints, combining the therapeutic benefits of eucalyptus, rosemary, cinnamon bark and black pepper in a wonderfully hydrating aloe gel. Also, there's more available. We have all of the oils vapes and even gummy bears which are vegan now for the best part head over to supreme cbd uk today and enter our unique discount code ttm30 and you will get 30 percent off of everything on the website that code again ttm30 it really doesn't get any better head over to supremecbd.uk This is Ryan Martin, uh, head coach at Loudoun United FC. You're listening to TTM Podcast. And we go. Welcome to the TTM Podcast. Ryan Martin, the head coach of FC Loudoun in America and in the USL. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. James and James, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to be here with you guys. Fantastic. Brilliant. And uh, for those that don't know, obviously, you are the manager of FC Loudoun. And uh, do you just want to give us, uh, before we talk about yourself, should we just talk about Loudoun and uh, how they came to be, really, and where they are in the football pyramid in, in America? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Loudoun, Loudoun is, is a, basically about 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., um, which is where our are collectively with D.C. United, since that, we're essentially D.C. United's reserve team. Um, and we go off a different name and, and we try to uh, we have our own stadium just 45 minutes away, which seats 5,000 people. It's like a nice little setup. Um, but it, it's a, it's a very, it's a very wealthy area and it's a very um, big hotbed for the amount of players in the United States. The, the local club Loudoun soccer club is like the third or fourth biggest in the United States in terms of just pure numbers of, of, of players in their uh, their youth academies 
all the way, basically all the way from five, all the way up to 18. So um, in that group, you're looking at 15,000 kids. So it's a very, very soccer heavy, excited area. Um, our ownership group from DC United, which, you know, obviously also owns Swansea uh, city as well. Oh, really? You know, has some different ties there. Mm. Um, decided to basically create a, a, uh, kind of a middle gap and between the academy um, and kids that are 15, 16, 17 that are very gifted and the professional ranks. Um, because in, in the U.S., it, it, it is a little bit of an older um, demographic of, of pros in, in our MLS in, in, in leagues there. And whether it's like a Wayne Rooney coming over or some different things, typically it's, an, it's harder for young guys to break into MLS. So they were looking for a professional avenue and we started, you know, Loudoun United um, FC out in, you know, 45 minutes away. So that is kind of, you know, how we started. We, we play in the second division of, of the United States soccer pyramid. So right under MLS. And, and like last year, um, it's very different because obviously we don't have promotion relegation. Um, so like a team like Nashville, for example, who is in MLS now, um, was in our league last year. So, you know, we're playing with our 15, 16, 17 year old kids against guys that are in the MLS right now. Um, so it's a different setup that way. And then like Cincinnati was the same. Sacramento is the same in terms of being in the USL and then making the jump to MLS. Um, not necessarily performance based all those clubs have did well, but mostly because they're financial resources compared to everybody else, but um, not because they won the league, just because that's our system. Um, brilliant. I mean, that, that is a, an exceptional overview into, into, into FC Loudoun. I mean, we, you know, we won't lie. I mean, DC United are known obviously the world over. Anybody who knows anything about football will know about DC United, New York Red Bulls, LA Galaxy, the staple teams really of the MLS. Um, really touching base on yourself. Did you start off at uh, DC at all there, Ryan? Uh, no. So I've been with DC uh, just finishing my fifth year, really. Um, I, I've been, I was, I started as a manager of, of Loudon last year, midway through the year. Um, the, the head coach went off to the new England revolution um, and joined that club on then the first team staff with Bruce arena. And then I took over from my previous position as the Academy director. Um, so I was the director of the Academy at DC for, for three years um, and wanted to get into, you know, professional management and that was you know my goal and aspiration at the time so it, it was a, a fitting jump and I also had worked with a number of the kids in the academy um you know we're fortunate enough where you know two of our kids you know that we had in our academy were in our U17 national team for the United States last summer and you know the two guys are over in the German Bundesliga with Wolfsburg and you know we have three of our homegrowns between the age of 16 and, and 18 that are playing significant minutes for DC United at this minute. So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty good hotbed. Before that, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I, I helped start uh, that club from scratch with, with John Harks, who, who, you know, had stints over at, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, West Ham, and was really the first American to really make it over uh, into England. Um, yeah. So John and I started that club, finished third in the league. Um, and before that, spent some time with Greg Berhalter and the Columbus crew for three months. And then, um, you know, at Wake Forest University for, you know, eight and a half years where, you know, as we talked earlier about, you know, had the fortune of coaching, you know, someone like a Jack Harrison or like an even like an Ian Harks who now plays for Dundee United in the Scottish Premier League and stuff like that. So um, that's been really my path to where I am now and, and uh, you know, had a lot of different opportunities from professional to youth to college and it's it's 
led me here. It's a, it's a really, really interesting story, actually, and one that's captivating to listen to. It's really good. You've got some fantastic experience, and we'll touch on later on, obviously, um, to really get back to yourself in your career uh, a bit later on with some other questions that we do have. But in terms of your tactical approach to management, um, as we were saying in, in, you know, before, obviously, your preferred formation from, from our basic research is a 4-2-3-1. Obviously, we gather with the holding midfielders. Um, and you obviously you choose to operate sometimes with a diamond. Now, if you compare that to maybe a Jurgen Klopp of Liverpool, Liverpool sets up with a particular system and it's up to the opposition to deal with that system. Is yours the other way around? Do you tailor make your approach to who you're playing? Not, not really, to be honest with you. We, mm. we, you know, our preferred formation is like a four, like a four, two, three, one. At times, we would go with like a, you know, with a diamond and, a, and two up front because we had two talented strikers. Um, you know, my job in this role is is really to first and foremost promote and develop players for the first team. You know, so it's, yeah. um, you know, that that is my job above anything else. So if I can put them in a situation where it can maximize their decision making as young pros and it can maximize their opportunity to um, to be in places where they can fail as, as players. It's important, you know, in their journey as, as young pros to, you know, put them in, in vulnerable places and see, do they have resiliency? Do they have grit? Um, but yeah, I, I prefer a four, two, three, one. That's kind of where our club as a whole from DC United to you know myself at Loudoun in an ideal world would, would, would do. Our first team is a little bit different because, they need results or, or it's people's jobs, you know, and that, and that's where, you know, sometimes it might be three in the back. Sometimes it's five, you know, four. So they, they mix and match, but in an ideal world, if everybody's healthy and they have their ideal formation, it'd be a four, two, three, one as well. So how much, um, sorry, how much influence do DC have over, um, for example, your team selection, are you expected to play a similar way to the first team will with regards to philosophy um, uh, do they have any influence in players? Do you get players given to you on loan, for example, where you, you know, required to give them a certain amount of minutes, that sort of thing? How yeah, deep so, the link? Yeah. So it's a pretty heavy link. Um, our owners, the same owner, GM's the same GM. Uh, and, and I have conversations with the head coach at, uh, at DC on a regular basis. You know, obviously the COVID situation has thrown a little bit of a wrench in, in, you know, loaning up and down. Yeah. Um, typically in a normal year, you can basically have guys that aren't playing for DC come down and get a certain amount of minutes and yeah. can play certain positions and, um, and it makes it more fluid and easier this year with all the testing standards, we were not allowed to bring anybody, you know, really down. So this year right. we have what our roster was, which, you know, um, was, was fine. It was just very young. Um, but in terms of on a normal year, yeah. And what we did is, you know, when I was in as the Academy director, we sat down, Ben Olson, myself, GM, and we basically came up with in a perfect world, here's our game model. Here's the way we want to structure it. Here are our uh, positional uh, profiles for certain positions of what the first team would like to see us produce and put through. Um, so we, we put together kind of an ideal you know, model. I think you would see that more often with, um, with my team and the academy teams as opposed to the first team because, yeah. um, you know, unlike at Liverpool, in terms of our league, you know, we don't have the budget that, um, you know, like a LA Galaxy or LAFC have or those guys. So we're, we're more on the end of we have to develop from within and, and 
you know, try to do it that way. And then if we can sprinkle a special player like a, a Wayne or someone in there, then, then, you know, so be it. Absolutely. I mean, um, do you know, one of the biggest enigmas I've always found um, is a player called Freddie Adu. Um, I don't know if you're aware yeah. of this, this player. Um, you know, we first came aware of him again on the, on, the, on the football simulation series, Football Manager. He was always down as a wonder kid and he's always someone who I followed. He, he had a spell at Benfica. He's had a trial at Manchester United. He's been all around. And, you know, the, the thing for me is I think if there was maybe uh, an FC Loudon back then, that could have actually yeah. done wonders for Freddie and it could have actually brought him on in the right way. I think one of the biggest um, frustrations, I think, maybe of American football is the career of Freddie Adu because it's a shame. You, you still want to see him do well, don't you? You know, you see him on Twitter and he's still, still doing his thing now. But, uh, you know, what you've got there is a really good thing going. Um, James, I know you've got some things to talk about really with the USL in general on the structure. Yeah, so... Um... Just really, Ryan, um, how, how obviously it's a very unique system you have in the USA, not really comparable to anything else, in, especially in Europe. Um, how does it compare with regards to promotion, relegation? So, for example, in this country, you could start in low down in the lower reaches. You could get promoted season by season. You'd eventually end up in the Premier League. Obviously, over there, it's different. How do you make it from the USL into the MLS? As a franchise? Exactly. So we don't have that in this country. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, only way, the only way to make it from the USL into MLS is a check of $250 million. Hence David Beckham got that done. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality. Like when MLS basically vets uh, clubs to join it, you know, it comes down to market size, infrastructure. What's the stadium going to look like? Um, and a lot of times they use the USL as a, there's a partnership with USL and MLS and they use the USL as almost a testing market for a lot of, um, cities. You know, that's where you, when you start to see St. Louis making the jump, you know, they have a USL team, you know, Cincinnati, yeah. USL team, Nashville, same thing, Orlando, same thing. Um, so a lot of times that, that's where it comes first. It's like, what, what will be the response of the market? And, uh, you know, so that's it. And then you have to have powerful owners because it is a $250 million check right now and it's going up every year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I think the draft situation for, for people of our listeners in the UK would only be used to just your general transfer fees and not really of a draft system. It, it feels alien, if you see what I mean, unless you know exactly what you're talking about. It does feel alien. Um, in terms of the um, going back to Cincinnati, and you say that you started that club from scratch. Was you heavily involved in the recruitment of players and did it make it more difficult starting from scratch or was it actually an easier package to sell to a player because it is a brand new club? In, in Cincinnati, it was, it, was, uh, it was, so John and I put the roster together basically from scratch and, uh, you know, had a budget and, and went, went around and, and, you know, we you know, tried to find players from everywhere to try to make it, you know, as strong as possible. Yeah. It was an interesting one because when you sit down and you started recruiting people, you're recruiting people to a bunch of unknowns. You know, what is the market going to do in Cincinnati? You know, right. You know, so our first year we played Crystal Palace in a friendly match. Um, okay. And we had 35,000 people at the game. And if you would have told me we would have had 35,000 people in the, at any game, like when I signed my contract, I would have said no chance. I would have said, you know, five, maybe 10,000 people. But yeah, the, market, yeah. the market exploded. And, um, you know, then it became a destination. And then it became uh, kind of spiraled into this 
you know, really kind of a cool story from the outside of, you know, in a USL and a second division ad- averaging a lot more than a lot of MLS teams. Um, but yeah, we, we were selling, you know, we're, the ownership group was ex- extremely strong. We knew that we knew we would have um, a budget to attract, uh, you know, a very competitive group. So for us, it was about finding the right, the right players. And, and we went on the, on the road of finding guys that, um, maybe had a chip on their shoulder because they didn't make it in, in yeah, yeah. for one reason or another, you know, maybe it was the style of play. Maybe it was, you know, they didn't get on with the manager. Maybe it just, you know, it, it happens all the time, right? You know, guys mm-hmm. leave the club in one club didn't do great. Then they do well in another one. And it's, um, you know, or one manager to the next. So it's, you know, we wanted that. And that's where we found some hungry guys and, and we're fortunate enough to have, um, you know, finished third in the league out of 32 teams. It's pretty good. You look at Cincinnati now and you, they're, they're managed by Yap Stam, you yeah. know? And they've really come on. And, um, you know, you look at some of the players, they've got Seem De Jong there now, yep. um, Jurgen Lacardia. You know, they're, 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 there's some, you know, there's some good pool there. They're getting some good, good guys over there. Yeah, I mean the, the the facilities are fantastic. It's a it's a neat little city. It's it's you know it's they, like I said it's a and their fan base is incredible. You know even through you know all of this you know the you know right now they haven't really had a successful season in MLS yet. But if they if we didn't have COVID, the stadium would be sold out tomorrow. Yeah, which is great. You know that's that's the that's you know that's your bread and butter, isn't it? Getting bums yeah. on seats at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Um, I think the USL, um, like James said, a lot of people in this country don't necessarily know it too well, but there has been some uh, British interest in, in the USL. I mean, Joe Cole played over there with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, Sean Wright Phillips was at Phoenix, and uh, the lesser-known Peter Ramage was also at uh, Phoenix. Didier Drogba, for example. Yeah. Um, as well, at the moment, you've got Memphis. Um, uh, am I right in thinking they're a start-up this season, Ryan? Memphis? They started up last season. So, Tim Howard heavily involved. Is he the, I think he might be the owner. He's the, he's the owner and goalkeeper. Oh, he plays, still plays, does he? he? He only plays in home games, but he... Oh, okay. He's got to be about 46 now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's getting up there, but he's, yeah, he'll play at home games. He just won't travel. Uh, fair I think, I think it's just American goalkeepers. They get better with age. You had Brad Friedel, who was incredible. Yeah, Brad he was Cusa, brilliant. He was very good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Casey Keller yeah. was over there as well. Casey Kelly, yeah. yeah. He I had think really, uh, Marcus Hanneman as well. I think you look mm. at the, 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 the real good players that we've had over in the UK, a lot of them, not, maybe changing a little bit now, but historically in the UK, we've had really good American goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until probably Clint Dempsey that we had a, you know, a, a Brian McBride as well was a good player. Yeah. Um, but we haven't had an awful lot of outfield players. And there's a lot of high hopes for Pulisic at the moment. Yeah. Pulisic, hopefully. And yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And obviously Zach Steffen now at Man City and um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I suppose for every, uh, for every Clint Dempsey and Pulisic, there is also a Breck Shea. There's also Brexit. <laughs> and there's Marcus Beasley as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. You know, in, in, in all seriousness, um, we, just a couple more things to, just to go through with you, Ryan. I understand you're a very, very busy man and we appreciate your time. Um, just a couple of personal questions, really, my friend. Um, what is the typical day for you in the USL as a football manager? 
Yeah, so it, it normally, so I actually live in D.C. still. Um, so, so I drive out to, to Leesburg, which, or Loudoun, which is you know, about 45 minutes. So normally get up, you know, get out on the road as early as possible, try to get to the training ground around 7 or so. Um, uh, and then from there, it basically, the guys arrive, start arriving around 8. We normally train around 10. So there's a team meeting at, at 9.30. They're doing, you know, treatment, prehab, physio stuff, and then uh, training. After training, the team lunch at the, uh, at the field. And, uh, and then individual meetings with the guys and then, you know, seeing where we are injury wise in terms of players and then preparing the session for the next day. Um, you know, that's, that's a typical day of, of, you know, what we're looking to do, but then it, it never really stops because, you know, you, you use the, the car ride, you know, so it's 45 minutes on the way out because there's no traffic on the way in. It's, it can be an hour and a half because it's yeah. DC and, um, you know, reminds me, you know, it's like, you know, not dissimilar like London when I tried driving, you know, all the way over to West Ham's training ground. Yeah. From, we were out near Heathrow and tried to drive all the way out there and it was not easy. But, um, yeah, we uh, – so, yeah, and then on the way back, it's, you know, talking with agents, talking with, you know, other coaches, trying to see who's available, who's not, and, and, and uh yeah, so it never never really stops with with anything. So it's you know then you're talking with management, you're talking with ownership, you're talking with a number of different people to you know make changes, see if you can make things better, bring in different players, give opportunities. So when it comes to recruitment, Brian, um, what's your main sort of pool that you're fishing out of? Is it the colleges? Is it sort of MLS sort of squad players, or do you ever really? go crazy what should like do you, what sort of areas you scout in well in the usl you get seven international spots um we we typically right now you you use five this past year um we're essentially looking for players under the age of 25 um we're looking for especially like on an international market we're looking for guys that um that basically we can loan into the first team that have a potential that could maybe make it into the first team yeah. Um, you know, down the road after a year, after two years and, and take a look at them. And they have to basically be under 25 because if we have certain friendly matches in order to be able for us to loan them up, they have to be under the age of 25 with MLS rules. Um, so right, like this, okay. this past summer we had between us and the first team, nine friendlies scheduled. We have, you know, Derby County was coming over obviously with that relationship. And, yeah. Um, we had two French teams coming over from the first division, which would have been great for my players because they would have gotten most of those games, um, yeah. which would have been great. But that's kind of our, our demographic. In terms of the internationals, we had a French kid that played in university, and then we had three Africans that, that I went over and scouted last uh, November in the Ivory Coast in Ghana. Um, you know, of that group, you know, one just moved on to Portugal, and one is on an extended trial with the first team now. So um, fantastic, brilliant. Yeah, we've got uh, another one for you as well. It's a bit of a, a bit of a, a tricky one. Um, what is the most stressful part of working in the USL? Surely there's uh, some frustrations as there is in any job. Um, what is the stressful parts of it? Yeah, I think the stressful parts of you know you're, you're really looking at. You know, I think the stress part for our job or my my position is at the end of the day, 
you're playing against standalone teams and franchises that have significant resources or have a Joe Cole or a Drogba or these or that. And, you know, I'm really at the mercy of the first team's decision in a lot of ways. In a lot yeah, of ways. yeah. So you always have to keep your perspective of, well, yeah, is it, are we going to beat Joe Cole tonight? Probably not because we have a 16-year-old kid that's yeah. you know, a rookie or just first year. And then it's, uh, you know, this guy has to play 45 minutes or this guy's 60. And, you know, so at the end of the day, that's probably the, the most challenging part with the USL is – is uh, especially being like a second team is always just dealing with that. And then it's like, you know, you might have your captain who might have trained his heart out all week and is a good kid and a good player and deserves to start, but he might not start because, you know, if he's a six and the first team sends a six down, it, it, you know, so then yeah, the yeah. and, manage, and managing people becomes, um, becomes challenging, different, unique, because it's like, well, in my mind, you deserve to start, but I can't start you because this is the situation. So um, th those are probably the biggest frustrations of the USL. Um, but it, it, to be honest, it's a very competitive league and it's a very hard league. And it, it's, you know, funny, like, you know, we talked about like Jack Harrison leads and, you know, I, yeah. I started, started watching, um, you know, the championship a lot last, the last couple of years and, and what a hard league that is. Oh yeah. Anybody can beat anybody on every, any given day. You have ex-European champions in that league, in, in Nottingham Forest, for instance. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's widely believed in, in this country that the championship is the hardest league to get out of. Yeah. You know, if you get out of the championship into the Premier League, it, it is so hard. Um, and, and if you do, you, you deserve it at the end of the day. There's, there's massive clubs with big budgets down there that just can't crack you know, there's there's no there's no right way to do it. There's no there's no exact formula about to get out of the championship. It's such a difficult league. Oh, and the, and the amount of the amount of games you have, the yeah. amount of different styles of play, the amount of, and then you get to the playoffs at the end, and and I mean, some of the best games you'll see all year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For instance, um, you know, if you win that, it's around a forty to fifty million pound jackpot, um, which is huge. Um, some some people believe that actually going up in the playoffs is actually better than finishing second or even first, um, due to yeah. Yeah. lifting a trophy, a trip to the hallowed surface of Wembley. Um, obviously, Richie Williams is a man that you'll know very well, no doubt. Um, what did you really learn from him at DC? From Richie Williams, you said? Yeah. So, so I was an academy director when he was coaching the team and, and, you know, Richie, Richie's, you know, uh, he kind of falls in that mold of, um, you know, him and, and Bruce arena and a lot of, and, you know, even John Harks when I was working with him um, is kind of like, an, they're a very similar type of manager where they're truly more of a manager. Um, and yeah. they have very good relationships with the players. They have very good, um, you know, individual, they can, they can have a guy run through a wall for them. They can have, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's really almost like your old English management manager yeah. system. You know? And it's um, so for him and, and the more I'm around, you know, Ben Olson's is similar. It's like the, the way they can relate to people, the way they can get something out of a player, the way they can, you know, communicate, it, you know, was, was tremendous. And, you know, Richie did a great job. And um, it's just funny to see when, you, you know, they all played under Bruce Arena at multiple places. And then you start to see, you know, how they're all, you know, most of them are all very similar in that. And, and when I always say it's like the man management, the management of games and how to get results and, and, and player selection in terms of finding people with, um, with, 
intrinsic characteristics of, you know, grit, determination, winning, resiliency, you know, and those are some of the things that Richie did a great job when he put the roster together and, and, uh, and still in the group. So I see that um, I see now, even you mentioned sort of the, the disciples of Bruce arena, mm-hmm. um, Landon Donovan, is he managing in the, the league two now of the US, USL? Yeah, so, so he's in the same league. Yes. Landon's in that. And he worked with, you know, obviously with Bruce for a long time and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a long list of guys that have you know played or you know worked underneath them that have you know even Bob Bradley spent so many years yeah. with with you know Bruce and different things. So he's almost like a you know a godfather of of you know coaching in the United States. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. He's he's well known uh, on these shores as well. As is obviously you know your Bob Bradleys of the world as well. Um, he was obviously and his son, um, a good player too actually. Michael Bradley. Yeah, right yeah. in the middle of the park, great player. Um, and then obviously to yourself in the future, um, surely, surely you're going to come over and test yourself in Europe, Ryan. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I would at some point in, in my career, I'd love to get to Europe. You know, I, I started doing my, I got my highest U.S. soccer licenses. I started uh, a year ago actually doing my UEFA badges just to Brilliant. see if I can get a foot in the door at some yeah. point. You know, obviously, you know, you've got to face this, this stigma of being an American coach trying to get to Europe, which is, is challenging, you know, and it's, um, you know, that's why you, you always hope like, a, you know, Bob Bradley did better or, you know, even like a David Wagner who is, you know, quote unquote American, um, you know, had a better, you know, had a good run at times, but had a better spill. So you're always rooting for guys like that to, to do well. Um, yeah, like who knows? I, at some point, would love to, you know, give it an opportunity and 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 see kind of where it goes. You know, that's um, you know that's where the top soccer in the world is over in Europe. So can how um, how low down would you go to get a, a foot in the door in in England? That's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I don't even have know an answer to that. Would you go? Would you go League Two? Possibly. Would you take on? Would you take on Morecambe if they gave you a call? Said Ryan, we're really struggling. <laughs> Do you fancy coming and uh, managing the Shrimpers? I, what would I, you say? I think you'd be better at Warsaw, actually, right in the heart of the country. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think you can take. You know, like I said, any experiences are interesting. Right? It's like your yeah, your yeah. Journey is is. Uh, you know, it can be very different. That's where, like, when we look in, you look at, like, a Bob Bradley and you see his journey from, you know, U.S. to, to the Egypt stint to Norway to France to, yeah. to Wales. You're like, wow, what a what an interesting path he, he took, yeah. you know. And um, I think that that's an interesting, interesting situation. So, yeah, at some point we'd love to – love to get over there every time i've been over to visit and see games it's you know it's it's just a different different atmosphere you know usa is coming on and you know some big crowds and some good things but going to europe there's really just nothing like it because it it, you know people live breathe sleep the game you know and it's 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 like a religion um especially for england you know we we win nothing yet we still have hope and we'll never give up our hope of winning something you know the creators of the game can't win it it's frustrating um i mean one person that really is um really really breaking down barriers as you put it in europe would be jesse marsh um doing an absolutely outstanding job at red bull salzburg as a liverpool fan we saw him firsthand um obviously 
at Anfield last season and there was a documentary following him. Have you seen that in the, in the changing room at half time when he really explodes and they come back from 3-0 down to make it 3-3. But obviously Mohamed Salah obviously gets that winning goal for Liverpool. What are, you, what are your remarks on, on Jesse? To be honest, Jesse, you know, had a had a great career here with you know New York Red Bull, and mm. and you know really got a lot out of uh, you know a very young roster. He, he he just did a great job, you know. And then he, you know, it was funny. I remember watching the game, and 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 this is kind of before I even knew he had the ambition to go to Europe. It was like you know he started it's like the ninety second minute, and he's he's running out to catch a plane to Europe to do his UEFA badges to get it in, and then you're like okay, well, he's going to make the jump at some point, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I was just very happy to see, you know, his success, you know, and I think it's just, I think he's just going to keep growing and get better with it. Um, his energy, his passion, the way the guys play for him is, is tremendous, you know, and, and, you know, I know he goes under, you know, more of a Bob Bradley type of model and very cerebral played at Princeton, you know, a high Ivy league school. So he's a very bright guy and, you know, had a chance, he, he did a couple, uh, like webinars during the COVID situation for, you know, a group of friends and I, and, you know, just to pick his brain and see what he's doing was, was incredible. I mean, it's, um, you know, one is for him to spend that time with, you know, young coaches that are, you know, ambitious or whatever was, was great that he did it. And then the second part is just the insight and thought and what he's doing in Salzburg is tremendous. Um, yeah. You know, and as an American coach, just, you know, hoping he keeps succeeding and keeps moving forward because, uh, you know, then maybe, you know, maybe that opens the door for me or someone else down the road. I think it will. I think he's, um, he's full of enthusiasm. When they get the third goal, Haaland at the time puts it in, and, and, you know, in front of the Anfield road end. I mean, my heart sank. I thought, my God, he's, um, he, he's really got them going. He sprints down the touchline. I think this guy's a character. Not since Mourinho, really, if we saw someone with the... Um, I would say not not ego. I don't think that's fair. Effervescence. Yeah, absolutely. And someone with a bit of class and passion. Um, he he is a good manager and one to really look out for. Um, Ryan, I, I think it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, we're yes. completely aware you've got another call to get to, and we respect that. Um, I mean, have you enjoyed your stint on the TTM podcast? Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great, and it always helps when you have you know the two hosts with the same name. So it was a yeah. <laughs> for me. So. No, but I quite enjoyed it. So I really appreciate you guys' support and, and trying to uh, get the USL out there. It's, it's you know, it is, the they say, the fastest growing league in the world with the amount of teams coming in and expansion and some different things. So, um, you know, and the level is, is getting better. You know, it's like I said, it's, it's still got a ways to go and everything we're doing. But, you know, I think it's getting better and better. And, um, no, I really appreciate your guys' time as well and, and look forward to your continued success. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Hello to all our fantastic TTM podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you. Do you have trouble with your sleeping? Do you suffer with anxiety or depression? Do you still have those aching muscles that you keep talking about? Then we have the perfect product for you to try. Supreme CBD. It comes in many different forms. For example, Supreme CBD Face Cream. It uses organic natural ingredients leaving your face feeling smooth and also without the use of synthetic compounds. For those aching muscles, there's Supreme CBD Muscle and Joint Rub, which penetrates deep into the skin and muscle joints 
combining the therapeutic benefits of eucalyptus, rosemary, cinnamon bark, and black pepper in a wonderfully hydrating aloe gel. Also, there's more available. We have all of the oils, vapes, and even gummy bears, which are vegan. Now for the best part. Head over to Supreme CBD UK today and enter our unique discount code TTM30 and you will get 30% off of everything on the website. That code again, TTM30. It really doesn't get any better. Head over to SupremeCBD.UK. Sports Social Podcast Network.